Hi, friends. You're listening to Midlife Plot Twists. I'm your host, Lucy Baber. This podcast is for anyone who's gotten to their 30s, 40s, or 50s and realized life isn't always as linear as we expected. Tune in monthly as I interview guests about their own midlife plot twists and hear how they've navigated all of life's unexpected twists and turns. Hey everyone, it's Lucy Baber, and I am here today with a friend who I have also been taking photos of for a couple years now. Uh, Her name is Janelle Wilson, and she has a lot of exciting information to share with us today. I'm going to let you introduce yourself, Janelle, and tell us a little bit about what you do for a living. Sure. Thank you, Lucy. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited about your podcast and all the new things going on with your life. Thank you for inviting me on. So my name is Janelle Wilson, and uh, I'm a real estate investor. I've been investing for 19 years now. I started right after college when my dad's house was getting sold at auction, auction, and it was going to get demolished. Uh, I was in my last year. My grandmother called me in a a panic, and I had to come down and find out how much he owed in back taxes. I paid those off with a student loan. Oh, Um, (laughs) I know. I got a student loan, and then I got a cash advance on my credit card to fix all the the violations so it didn't get torn down. And ever since then, um, I rented it out. I started getting like $1,100 a month in rent, which was more than my paycheck when I started working. And (laughs) I was hooked. (laughs) And I kept investing. I've been buying ever since. I quit my job in 2012. And I have over $12 in real estate now. Wow. Okay, so (laughs) let's back up. Like I said, Janelle and I just know each other from family photos. (laughs) I did not know it went all that way. That's wild. Good for you. That's, I mean, I knew, I knew you've been building, building an empire basically, but I didn't know it was that deep. Yeah. No one really knew until I was on Instagram. Like they, I feel like they were clueless. I'm like, what do you mean? I quit my job. Do you think I quit my job without having properties? And, and, stuff? and they're like, we just had no idea. And I've been, it's friends and family who I've been trying to get invest for years. And now, now that I'm on Instagram, they, they, they want in. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, awesome. No and your, your Instagram presence is really impressive. What I've noticed that you've been doing is not only like, talking about your investments, but also it seems like you've really taken it on an educator role to empower other people to be able to do this. Tell me a little bit about how that piece came into play and and how that's been going for you. Well, it was so random. My daycare started posting my kids on Instagram and I wasn't on Instagram. I thought Instagram was all like ratchet stuff. (laughs) So I joined (laughs) and I followed my realtor. And when I followed her, I saw like all these people that she followed. She followed other designers and other people who were investing. And I saw myself getting inspired by the most randomest things, random things. And so <laughs> I, just, I decided to start posting my stuff. And people kept asking me questions, asking me if I coached. I'm like, no, I see that someone so coaches, you know, go sign up with them. But then I started seeing a lot of bad information that was circulating. I was like, what? Ooh. So that kind of compelled me to be more active and to actually start coaching. But yeah, a lot of bad information and people just there's a lot of things that's just not known or understood and misunderstood in real estate investing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I am admittedly pretty clueless myself, have not having invested besides my own house. So tell me what, what are some of those kind of 
uh, missteps or misinformation that you see that people come to you with? What are the common ones? Well, a lot of people think there's bad tenants out here. They tear up your property. A lot of people, for some reason, they see a house as an expense and not mm-hmm. as like a way to make money. But um, once you understand the all different ways a house makes money, you'll be hooked. So you make money from the rents every month. Um, and if you rent to a program, like there's all types of programs, Catholic Charities, Veterans Program, Section 8. If you rent to those, it's guaranteed money. So you don't even have to worry about it coming in. And so you may, you can make $700 after you pay your bills on each property. You could buy like 10 of those and be able to quit your job. Um, wow. So, and then there's the appreciation that I didn't even account for until like five or 10 years later when I realized how much the market had gone up Yeah, and I was able to refinance my properties. The interest rates were lower. I was able to not only take out almost a a million at one point, Mm -hmm. um, but my payments were the same just because the interest rate was lower. And because I took out that money, I could buy like bigger buildings and just start making way more money. And it's it's just, it's just crazy how much money. And then you don't pay any taxes. That's like the other thing that people don't talk about. You don't pay any taxes. It's like um, when Donald Trump wouldn't show his tax return, it's because he did not pay any taxes. So <laughs> it's like the ultimate moneymaker. Um, real estate, you make money every month. You make money over time. The tenants pay down your your mortgage. The mortgages I have are 20-year mortgages. So if I didn't refinance again, which I probably will, I'll have probably 14 million in free and clear real estate and making 70,000 a month. <laughs> so, and it's, wow. it's, yeah, like once you get some good tenants and you get a management system, it is very easy to manage. I work less than people who work 40 hours a week. Yeah. Which is great because you've got kids. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. You know what? When I was pregnant, my first kid after I left, I was like, I was so tired. I was like, I don't know know how people go to work being (laughs) pregnant. (laughs) I don't. More power to y'all. I was so glad I got pregnant after I quit my job. It was very extremely hard. <laughs> and, um, you know, just taking actually when they were born, I wish I had a job to go back to. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. Feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So I have so many questions. Okay. So let's back up a second. Uh, you briefly mentioned people's ideas that it's more of an expense. Um, and then you yeah. also briefly mentioned a management team. Talk to me about the relationship between those two and how you do how you do leverage that to end up making profit as opposed to just sinking all of your time and money into managing a space. Right. So when people think about rental properties, they think about the maintenance and the upkeep and the taxes and insurance. Those are factors. Yes. But the rents are typically, well, you got to buy, you got to buy, right? That is, that is one thing that people don't think about. A lot of people don't know how to analyze deals so that you're actually making money every month. But once you buy a property correctly, you should actually cash flow enough to cover all those things. But also you have to have a good maintenance team. You have to know where to find cheap labor. There's like all, all types of things that people don't understand about business. But yeah, p- people who invest in real estate, we don't pay top dollar, like the same amount that you pay for your house to get mm-hmm. stuff fixed. So if your heater costs you 10,000, 20,000 to replace, we're paying 5,000. 
Mm-hmm. If your roof costs you twenty thousand, we're paying five or seven thousand. We get discounts on everything because we use people that they they know they get repeat business, mm-hmm. and so they give us deals. And they probably like working with investors because we're like we're not as a pain in the butt as homeowners a lot of times. So yeah. we pay a whole lot less for things than what homeowners pay. So when you're thinking, are we doing a bathroom? Again, that's going to cost us three to five thousand, and where it might cost you ten to twenty. Right. Yeah. So well, and because. So, it's- it's, I would imagine it's also like you're making the most basic aesthetic choices. You're not well, going, is that not a piece? Tell me more. Uh, so there's, there's definitely ways to make it look nice without spending a lot of money. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to put marble in a, in a, in a rental, right. but <laughs> it will still look very nice with a nice vanity and nice light fixture, nice faucet. So you splurge on certain things to make it look nice and it still looks nice, you know, for a rental, it's not going to be like your own home, but even still, if you get a basement remodel, like if you add a half bath and, and your personal home, a, a contractor can easily call, charge you 10 to 20,000 or it might mm. cost us you know, a few. That makes sense. And I will say, for anybody that does not know Janelle, which I'm assuming a lot of your followers will tune into this, but um, Janelle and style go hand in hand. Oh, <laughs> so when you, you say you don't have to skimp on, you know, aesthetic, yeah. I believe you because I know that you don't do anything halfway. So <laughs> I mean, not everything is is like top notch, beautiful. Like um, my my properties have there are ones that have not been completely rehabbed so there's ones that i buy that are like shells so of course those look perfect because it has new sheetrock new everything but there's ones that are, are not perfect but they still look good because i pay attention to what matters like the kitchens and the bathrooms right. um, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tear out a good wall just because it's not completely flat i'll smooth out what i can and then paint it and stage it and it still looks nice and it still appraises high they still um, get high rents so even though i'm not tearing everything out and building new it still looks pretty nice yeah that makes sense to me so my other question going back to kind of your initial statement about investing you talked about how the market has changed over the years and and you've been at this for quite a while now Mm -hmm. is it is it too late like did is it is it a game where like if you didn't get in 15 years ago it's just done so the wonderful thing about real estate is that the the price of the house is not dictated by the market. It is dictated by the seller and their problems and their issues and why they want to get out of a house. Yeah. So even if, if if he went to a realtor and like the realtor told him to clean him up and paint this, then he might get top dollar. But a lot of times there are people who are in bad situations. They just want to get rid of it. They see the house as a problem. Yeah. So a lot of times it's about the perspective of how they see the house. They might just need to get $30,000 to get their, their kid into college. And um, the house might be worth 150. Like, listen, just give me 30 grand and get this thing all, and, and, and take it. And I'll be like, sure. Thank you. I can close, you know, next week. And, and, um, you get the house. So there's all types of ways to get houses for cheap. There's foreclosures, there's auctions. I've I've gotten so many deals from auctions. My first property was from auction was $10,000. And when I refinanced it three months later, it appraised for a hundred grand. I only spent like 7,000 on it. What? <laughs> so no, yeah, there, there are so many ways to get houses for cheap. It's like what's on MLS is just a small fraction of houses. And those are the ones that go for a higher than what they're worth. Cause it's what people know of. But once you know the underground of like um, off-market properties is where you get all the deals. So it sounds like even if multiple investments is not 
on somebody's immediate radar, it's still important, even if you're yep. just buying a first house, to get the right realtor. You always have to have the right person for anything. You have to have the right realtor, the right lender, the right everything. But yeah, you do have to have the right realtor. The right realtor to help you invest is may not be the same person who helps you buy your personal home. So you okay. do need to find a realtor who specializes in investment properties. It should preferably be one who invests themselves too. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I feel like this entire conversation, I my face right now looks like that uh, head exploding emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's so far off of, it's been off of my radar, but like you're, you're really giving a lot of helpful information. So, so let's, let's go down that trail a little bit more. Okay. Where do you usually start? Like a friend or like a, a new person comes to you and it's like, yeah, I'm clueless. The first thing I always suggest people is to find a local meetup of investors. You can go on Eventbrite or meetup.com and type in real estate club, real estate investing, and put, and put your city. There's usually always a group somewhere. Um, a lot of them went virtual during during COVID. Some still are, but um, it's best to go to a physical one. And that, and then you'll get like your crash course and like here stuff. You'll meet people there, inspire and motivate you. You'll meet a realtor there. You'll meet a lender there. Like you'll meet most of the people that you can at least start with with working. The realtors who are there, they are looking for investors. They're they're looking to, to help people. They probably already know what area to invest in. So a local real estate meetup from Eventbrite, Facebook groups, like just look for places where there's there's real estate investor meetups. That that's that's the that's the place to start. Okay. And how much money should be in your pocket before you start thinking this is for me? So first just go. Um, there are all types of no money strategies. <laughs> so it just depends on what kind of fits what works for you. So my fourth property was at a time where I couldn't get any more loans. My, my debt to income was too high, even though I really felt like I, I could afford one. And the strategy that I used for that one was called like, a, what do they call it? It's called like a seller wrap or, but basically I assumed their mortgage. I paid the person a thousand dollars. I assumed their mortgage and I rented it out and I eventually refinanced it. But so there's all types of no money. And then I used a credit card whenever there was a problem. But after I refinanced it, I was able to pay off that loan and I had some money left over. But there's all types of, of no money strategies. So I'm going to say you don't need money to get started. You just have to get creative and be brave enough to do these um these not well-known strategies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like the kind of thing where like the very first time you step into it, if you're in a situation where you have other mouths to feed, you probably want to take the lower risk options up front. And then as yeah. you kind of get more stable, you can yeah. start taking a little bit more risk because you know you've got more to leverage. Yeah. I mean, the house that I bought when I assumed her mortgage, the payments were $300. I knew I can get $800 in rent. So it didn't really feel risky to me. Um, after I closed on it, I found out that it was a, pre a predatory loan with an interest rate of 27%. Mm, wow. <laughs> and I had a hard time refinancing it uh, until I found out about the, the commercial loans that I use now. But so it it was a great opportunity because I learned about something new and it eventually changed my life. So don't be afraid to take on uh, things that you're not sure of. I mean, especially if you're a part of a group and they can help guide you. Doing it alone is definitely hard. And I was doing it alone at that, that time. Um, but you can always figure out something. And a lot of times when you're in a tough situation, it will help you learn something new that will start a new opportunity, which is what that one did. But yeah, 
there are, are no money strategies, but if you're someone who makes a lot of money, then you just want to have like 60 grand, I guess is usually a good number. Cause then that will be enough for down payment. That'll be enough for you know other random things you want to do. But so for people who have money, you want to have like 60 grand for people who don't, there's strategies for, for you. Yeah, that makes sense. How do you determine your pacing now? Like, are it sounds like you're still acquiring new investment properties. How, how do you determine like today's the day, um, tomorrow's not? <laughs> I'm officially retiring after my next few properties. I was kind of done with the ones that I bought like during 2020, but this opportunity fell into my lap for this 10 unit for 355,000, mm-hmm. which it will be worth like 1.3 when I'm done. And I figured I was going to b- get a nanny with this house. And it's like, <laughs> only the, it's like the last thing that I need to be like officially set. But with buying hold investing, it's like, you don't really plan on doing it forever. I mean, unless you're a man, I, there's a lot of men who are like, are you really going to quit? Like, don't you? Like, no, I want to live a soft <laughs> life. <laughs> I retired at 30 from my government job. I'm retiring at 40 from real estate investing. I'm done with the buying and, and fixing up and renting out. I just want to just enjoy my money now. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm done buying. Yeah, I have everything I want. I'm going to have my house, my nanny. We can afford to do all the things that I want. We can travel. I can eat out every day if I want to. So yeah, I'm not going to really need anything else once this last house is done. That again, brain exploding emoji right now. Like what? How? It's so it's so amazing that you thank you are able to do this. I mean, it, it took it took time to get here. I mean, if I would have known all the things I knew now, my journey would have been a lot shorter for sure. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it took me 20 years. Um, this this will be my 19th year, so I'll be retiring at year 19 or 20. Okay. Which is so, still good. It's good. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's like, you're, you're the same level as like an athlete in my mind. Like... Yeah. I mean, once everything's paid off for sure, but um, I think I feel like I just live a, a middle-class life. Yeah. There, and that is but without working, of course. Yeah. yeah. Without, without working. So what's, you mentioned travel and, you know, making sure that you're stable. What's, what are you going to do with your free time? Well, I, I just start coaching. So now I, I coach a couple of times a week. I teach people how to invest in real estate and help them with all their, their struggles and problems with their contractors, tenants and financing. And I, I like to post on Instagram. Um, that's pretty much it. I'm just going to be coaching and just having fun. That's all. Yeah. Now, let me ask, I don't know if this is too personal of a question. Uh, are you also, is that, is Instagram another stream of income for you or is it just to promote your other work, like your investment work? Um, Like you're not getting sponsored or anything for. No, I'm not yet, that, but okay. I do plan on uh, tapping into that. I feel like I'm leaving so much money on the table because I'm already, uh, I already talk about Home Depot and Sherman Williams and their pink colors and all the stuff that I use. I promote all that stuff already. Mm-hmm. So I feel like um, that is definitely something I can do. Brand partnership. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my sense, I guess I ask, what are you going to do when you retire? Because my sense is that you're not the type of person that just sits still, right? <laughs> Listen, after the pandemic and having three kids at home, one was an, an infant and a newborn and having, I was a, a landlord. And if anyone knows about the worries, I mean, I did worry a lot, but it was still very stressful because I couldn't do anything. All the refrigerators were, were breaking down. Oh. Clothes were getting cold from right. So there was still like a lot of problems I was going through, but um, 
the fact that I was home with all three of my kids it stressed me out. So I'm just really tired and I just need a couple of <laughs> years of doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you on the beach on your Instagram account. Yes, just for sitting, sure. Sitting You'll be like, cocktails. she's on the beach again. She's at the spa again. <laughs> yeah, I, I need it. But yeah, once I once I stabilize, I will probably do other fun things. But I don't want to have to do anything I don't want to do. Yeah. Only fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So, so tell me a little bit more about some of the harder lessons you've learned through this. Things like mistakes you made or lessons that you wish somebody would have told you when you were first starting out? So so do you think your listeners will want to do renovations or do you think they'll want to do turnkey? Because it really depends on, um, you know, the construction part is really the most challenging part, working with contractors and tenants. Mm-hmm. But I think the best advice is to be yourself. Don't feel like you have to be tough in front of men. Um, I hear a lot of advice to women that you have to channel your your inner man when you're working with contractors and and you have to be mean and tough. But although I can be assertive, I am still very nice and understanding. I communicate and I'm still very girly. So I'll tell people like, it's okay to praise your contractor and make them feel good and um, so that they enjoy working for you. I have this one investor friend who I, I went to one of her properties with her and the guy was there working. I said, oh, this looks great. And she said, like she's like she 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 motioned to me to don't do that. And I was like, what are you doing? She said, I don't compliment them at all. Oh. I was like, why? I said, why? <laughs> like they haven't been motivated to work. They have a sense of pride in their work. So um I think it's really important to really focus on your management style and understand that you can be nice and girly and say, oh, this is cute and nice because the contractors, they eat it up. They're men, they have egos. And yeah. I think that is part of the reason why I've had such such success with the construction part of the birth strategy. Everyone asks me, how do you find good contractors? I'm like, there's good contractors everywhere. You just got to know how to talk to them. <laughs> um, and then dealing with the tenants, like the tenants know I'm the owner. I have no problems telling them no to something. Something. So I'm very transparent, but I'm also fair. Um, I know it's, it's their it's their home. If they want to paint it, I let them I let them do whatever whatever they want. But I'm like, as long as you pay the rent, I do my part and I fix everything. So we have like a relationship. They're actually like a client, like they're you know <laughs> real people. Um, I don't I don't I don't think it, I don't do any kind of judgment. Um, I work with a lot of Section Eight, so a lot of times they are defensive about things. I'm like, listen, I've been through X Y Z. Um, I'm not going to judge you. If you don't want me to have the key to your house because of a previous situation, I understand. And so there's like a, a lot of things that women bring to real, the real estate table that I don't think men teach or understand um, mm-hmm. that we help make a difference in our tennis lives, the communities and everything that this commodity of real estate impacts. So I, I try to get out to people that women absolutely need to be investing in real estate because I think they need us because we are softer. We're nicer. We listen to people and we actually care. So yeah, yeah. that's huge. I it, had, it hadn't occurred to me, but you're right. It, it does seem like it's probably a really male dominated space. So, but you're right. I think a woman's touch is needed in that realm because it is. You know, like I, I'm just thinking, especially with, I hadn't even occurred to me, to be honest, I know so little about Section 8 housing. It hadn't even occurred to me that private investors could be a landlord for Section 8 housing. I just, I just assumed oh, that it was yeah. all like straight, like government run and somebody at a desk was, you know, just pushing. Oh, there are, there are. So there's like, um, like project housing. 
So mm -hmm. those are, are owned by the government and completely ran by the government. Section 8 was a program where private landlords could, could rent to tenants directly. And it's just so the government doesn't have to do all the upkeep and maintenance. They can just pay the landlord and, and the landlord does all that. But yes, there is definitely, a, if they call the voucher program now, but yes, the, the tenants rent to private landlords and the government pays us directly. Wow. And yeah, that that's lovely because I imagine it does feel like you're even more so like invested in people's stories as opposed to just, you know, Yeah, I, I don't even know. Like, it, it seems like you you're rooting for the for the people who to make it you know yeah so and and there's different people on section eight and i've gotten really good at, at reading people but you really want to help the people who are trying to help themselves you want to like ask about their situation and why they're moving and xyz and are like i just want to be in a good neighborhood for my kids i'm just trying to do this i'm trying to do better once you get good at people people reading um you'll know who to rent to because all the people who are trying to do better not only do they appreciate what you're what you're trying to do and um they appreciate your your home how much it costs to, to maintain um when when COVID shut down and my tenants still had a portion to pay they, they all paid it they like listen I, I know you have bills to pay I'm not trying to listen to what's going on in the media and not pay and not pay because I want to keep yeah. this place over my head and they all still paid so there's a lot of people who don't take advantage of people and, and everyone and, and still want to pay their rent yeah, Despite I think that that's saying. that sounds like that's the real key difference is because you show up authentically as yourself and because right. you get to know your tenants, you know, at, mm -hmm. at whatever capacity you're able to individually, there's a relationship there as opposed to just like a yep. oh, like I have to I have to pay cuz like you're a face exactly. instead of a bill all yep. of a sudden and they get that you have bills to pay too, which is huge. Mm -hmm. And plus I'm responsive. Like whenever there's a problem, I have a good maintenance team. They can call them directly or whatever, but I always fix things, um, you know, in, in, a, in a good time. So I feel like I'm a good landlord. And because of that, they continue to pay. And, and everyone else who I know, like closely, all of our tenants still paid us. Only time I hear someone not paying is if I think someone was like a bad landlord. I was like, oh, they must have been a bad landlord. But yeah, if you have a good relationship with your tenants, I feel like they all paid. Wow. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I mean, and it really speaks to who you are in your character. So you've briefly mentioned the Burr strategy. Mm -hmm. Tell me what is that? <laughs> what, what, uh, what so typically when people buy houses, it's, it's able to be rented right away. It's already nice painted kitchen. Everything works. Um, and you would put like a, a 10, 20% down payment. With the birth strategy, you're buying actual fixer uppers typically. It might not, not necessarily be like a fixer upper um, cosmetically, but like something has to be fixed and that's why it's so cheap. So you buy it, um, whether it be like acquiring by someone selling it to you for a dollar or auction or just acquiring, you buy it, then you fix whatever the problem is. And then once you fix that problem, it's worth more money. So if you buy a house for fifty thousand, you might fix, you might spend twenty thousand on fixing it, and then it might be worth one hundred and fifty when it's done. So you buy it, fix it, put a tenant in there, start making money on it, and then you refinance it. And then when you refinance it, you pay whatever you paid um, initially to buy it, which I use a lot of credit cards, lines of credit, and then hard money loans. I'm probably going way over way over your head right now. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand it, but somebody listening will. <laughs> <laughs> you pay all those, all the temporary. So a lot of times when a house needs repairs or something's wrong, you can't get traditional financing on it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
when you get a house, uh, a mortgage with the Wells Fargo, they want a home inspection, they want an appraisal. So I can't uh -huh. have any of that stuff. So when you're buying these houses that need some kind of work, you have to use a different lender. And so there's other lenders, they have higher interest rates, but the benefit is that you can buy these cheaper houses. So if you could buy a house with Wells Fargo and um and pay 150 for it, um, great. But if you don't, you could buy a house for 50,000 that has some problems with a hard money loan. But it's temporary. So anyway, when you refinance it, you pay everything off. You refinance with a, a low interest rate. You even take some cash out uh, to happen to the, the equity that you acquired when you fix all those problems. And then you keep repeating it because you keep getting either more money or the same lines open up again. So you can keep just buying properties. You never run out of money because you refinance and pay it off or get extra money. But it's, it's a strategy that requires a lot of work. You have to be really active. It's an active investment strategy. It's not for passive investors who just want to um, like spend money and just hire everyone out and assume everything's going to go right. I don't recommend it for people who are, don't plan on being involved. You have to have the kind of personality who likes business, you like activity, you like, you know, being in it. But if you're like a stock person, just like seeing numbers going up and down, it's probably not for you. It's for active people who have like a, you know, an interest in the drive in, in business. Because it makes, is a business. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And it's funny, you started out saying like, you know, I don't need to work, but it, it is work. It's just, it sounds like it's so enjoyable to you that it doesn't feel like a traditional, you know, clock and it's, in and it's clock temporary. out. The, the hardest part is the construction part. And that part is temporary. Um, for easy houses, it could last six weeks. For more complicated projects, it might take six to nine months. Is that usually six to nine months of like you going to the site every day or? No. So, so before you have your crew established, you probably do need to go to the site pretty often, like at least twice a week. Once you have a crew that you know, like, and trust, they know what you like, they know what to do. They show up every day. Um, there's been times when I haven't showed up at a property at all. Those were, <laughs> those were the sweetest days. Oh my gosh. I would be like, Hey, here's a property. You already know what to do. All right. Peace. And it, they would, they would be there working and um, they would call me up when I got through the punch list and that would be it. I, wow. I miss those days. <laughs> so what, yeah, and, what changed that that's not still happening? So COVID. Okay. COVID. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when COVID happened and everything got shut down and all the relationships that had any kind of stress, they broke. Yeah. One was my contractors. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah. he was home with his wife for four months. They hate each other. They want him getting divorced. And it was right when I bought these four quadruplexes that I needed him to fix up. Ooh. So um, he was like, he was really depressed. He could just depress. He could not work. He didn't want to work. Um. Yeah, it didn't work. So I had these four properties, four huge projects without my trusted contractor. I was at a disadvantage because my kids were home. I had other contracts with kids who were also home. So it was a, it was a really tough time. But uh, yes, that, that's what happened to my magical crew. I was like, it was just, it had gotten so easy. And I mean, it happens with everyone. What happens, what I'm saying happens with everyone is that you get your crew and that you learn each other and it becomes easy. The hard part is just in the beginning before you get to all these people that you trust. You got to keep hiring and firing and hiring and firing until you get the people that you like. And then and then it becomes very easy, very passive. Same thing with the management. You got to keep hiring and firing and find good management. Good, um, like, handyman. I just hired someone to, to help me, like, with the phone calls and stuff. I need to hire a VA. But, mm -hmm. yeah, the, the initial work is just all in, in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But afterwards, it's very easy. What would you say are the personality traits that tend to do to thrive in this in this field 
Like if, um, if there's like a, a listener who's like, I don't know if it's for me. Yeah. I like these aspects, oh. but I'm not sure about those. Like what do you, what's the bare minimum? What does the person need? People in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and uh, math and, and accountants. Um, all of my friends who have like left their jobs and do real estate full-time and who are killing it. I didn't even know they were engineers when we became friends, but almost all of them are engineers and accountants. Yeah. So, and it's because, um, number one, we are good in with numbers, but we're also problem solvers. Mm-hmm. So when other people shy away from issues in real estate, we enjoy figuring them out and coming up with new stuff. Yeah. And that is where the money is made because no one else wants to figure out these problems. So these houses are like so cheap and I'm like, oh, this is a simple problem because I fixed this with the other one. <laughs> so people who are in science and in, in STEM, but the problem, the problem with them is that it's hard for them to get started because they hear so many bad things. They read all the books and they get analysis paralysis. Mm-hmm. So my, my niche is actually working with them. Um, a lot of my clients are engineers and accountants and I, I got to like, just push them to buy the house. <laughs> yeah. Well, because like, this doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Don't listen to that person because that they were wrong. That doesn't matter either. And once I can clear out all that noise and have them focus on the one thing that matters, they're able to unlock and buy this one girl who's an engineer. She bought 11, 11 apartments this year. And wow. she had been, she had taken so many other courses, signed up with so many other coaches. And she was like, you just made it so, so easy for me. <laughs> That's but amazing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. I can imagine, cause there is a little bit of like a creative streak that runs through a person when they, when they see all that, it might not feel like a risk, but on paper, it looks like a risk. Right. And so yeah. they have to kind of like have both the analytical side and yeah, that the practical mm-hmm. yeah that that willingness to take the leap and I can see how that would be a big mental obstacle yeah it's because of so much information like they don't know what strategy to use what what matters what doesn't so mm-hmm. you know they get told that to do a renovation in the house it costs a hundred dollars a square foot so not even looking at a house it could just need paint and carpet and they're like oh it's going to cost me Seventy five thousand to to fix, and I'm like, no. Did you look at it? It don't even need <laughs> nothing. It just it just needs some cleaning paint. That'll cost you about five thousand dollars. I'm like, oh, I thought we had to like, oh no. <laughs> so I, I've had this one of the one where I told her to analyze this property, and she gave me like the owners, the owners' kids, the person who owned it. I'm like, oh, you don't need any of this information. <laughs> Why wow. But yeah, they're very detailed, which is a gift and a curse. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, so, so once they realize, um, once they loosen up, they are great investors, wonderful investors. And again, I just want to reiterate, especially because this podcast is called Midlife Plot Twist. Is there a point in a person's life where you would say like, no, you're too old to, uh, to or too young? Like what, what, what ages do you usually work with people who are getting into investing? So, so the injury I told you about, she's 50. Um, okay. But no, so the older you are, you don't realize the life experiences that you have that will help you in real estate. Mm-hmm. So, so there's different advantages to everyone um, who's coming in here. Everyone has gifts and abilities that they probably don't even think that much about that will help them in real estate. 
So people who are older, they might have more money. They might have more connections. They might know a, a, a lawyer who works with divorced couples who they, they actually get properties for less because they just try and get rid of their house. I have a friend who buys properties like that. She has a friend who is a divorce attorney. She gets off market deals in like the Ardmore area, which wow. is an expensive area for yeah. a little price that she flips. So um, don't think because you're older that you can't get in it. You can get at any age and then you will benefit. And then your, your kids and kids, kids will generate or will benefit from years to come. Yeah, that's you. I mean, I, I, I'm just thinking about my network. I probably can think of like 10 people off the top of my head who would be like, Oh, I wish I had done that 10 years ago, but now it's too late. And I'm like, nope. I don't know about that. <laughs> never too late. No, be, people think it's too late because houses are so expensive, but no, because you can get cheap houses for uh, at any time you can always get discount houses do not believe the hype of what's being sold on the internet or tv or the media there's always discount houses always people are always dying people are always in a bad situation there's always foreclosures foreclosures are pretty great because usually the house is in good condition mm -hmm. so no there's just all types of ways to get um, cheap houses there's never too late that's fantastic so i always ask this question to every single one of my guests if you could go back and talk to younger Janelle and give her some words of wisdom, what do you wish you could let her know? I never want to change a thing only because I always learn from any bad experience that I have. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would try to tell her all the secrets that I learned. <laughs> um, tell her about things I've learned about men and love and life. It's just some, some it's just, just life lessons, I guess. Um, let me think of one. I don't know. Just don't be, don't be afraid. Just go out and do things and know that there's so many things that you don't know and understand and listen to people's perspectives and opinions and, you know, just keep learning. Keep learning. That's great. And listen to people that those are huge. And, yeah. you know, when we're starting out in our twenties, I think most we of think we know everything. That's yeah, sure. we think we know everything and that the older people are out of touch. Yeah. And it, it limits, it limits you completely. Like, especially when you get a degree, you think you know anything, everything in that field, but really you don't know nothing. You don't know any practical things, but you know, you always have to know, understand that there's so much you don't know about and so much you don't understand. Like people, they don't want to hire me sometimes because I mean, I'm, I'm not cheap. I'm not also like, there's people who charge 30,000. For coaching mm -hmm. um but they don't want to pay because they already think they know everything because they've been <laughs> on youtube i'm like okay you know it's fine i, I don't care but there's like so many things because i've been doing this for almost 20 years yeah 20 years. and not only that but i've been successful at it there's so many people who, who've been doing it for five years think they know everything and um they, they start teaching their tactics but there's just so many things you don't know about something i i recently hired a um a feminine coach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I okay. thought I was feminine. I realized <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I found her on TikTok. And uh, I, everything is so eye-opening. You just don't know what you don't know. I love that, though. And I feel like a lot of people that think that they don't need a coach or that, you know, mm -hmm. that it might be too expensive or whatever. Like, I, I've, as a small business owner, you learn very quickly that time is money. Right. Yep. And so mm -hmm. you can go down the internet rabbit hole and do all the research yeah. yourself, but that's your time. And mm -hmm. so it, time is money. So it's a lot easier in my mind yeah. to hire the expert to give it to you fast or at least yeah, more effectively. Thing. 
they, they see it as an expense, not an investment. Yeah, it, exactly. It's an investment. And so do you want to spend more time with your kids? Do you want to spend more time on the beach? Do you want to yeah. spend more time, you know, living your life? Or do you want to spend time, all of your time watching YouTube videos? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, they say something that bad things about real estate. Oh, it's a bad time to buy because the rates are up. I'm like, so, and, and that's nothing that's in their ear. So it's like so much discouraging information that people don't want to do it so mm -hmm. this it, it takes a really strong person to ignore all that to ignore the loved ones telling them that it's not a good time to you know rebel a little bit mm -hmm. and uh pay someone to teach them how to invest it, 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 it's it's a lot <laughs> to ask for someone but yeah once you get to a point where you're like i've been trying to do this for years i've had enough then th that's usually when they sign up yeah so tell me mm -hmm. more about your coaching services, how people can follow you. And also like, do you have anything that you want to promote right now for people listening? Um, yeah. So I, I, it took me almost a whole year to make my real estate investing course. Um, but I teach you how to buy, renovate and rent and refinance your properties, teach you how to get them for cheap. I teach you all about the loans that we use. We use loans to buy and that pay for the, the buying and the, and the construction part. I teach you how to find good tenants. I teach you how to manage your contractors, all that type of stuff. And from what my students tell me, they tell me that my taxes are so much different than what they are taught and read in other programs. Probably because they're taught by men. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. So if, if you're someone who is a go-getter, you're not afraid to do anything, the course is probably enough for you. But if you're someone who you might be scared, um, you never did like a, a business or anything, there's like a, a really big mindset shift that you have to make that will make you successful. And coaching is, is what's more helpful. Mm -hmm. So um, it is a bigger investment, but everyone appreciates it. I need to post my testimonials, but mm -hmm. I, I have the most scared people buy their first property <laughs> their very first property and that's usually the hardest hurdle to for them people who own their own home they don't realize how much knowledge they already have and it's a little easier for them to buy their next investment property people who are buying their very first one they're the hardest and uh, i've been able to do that um the first one i did she bought a single family last year and she bought a triplex this year so um yeah, if it's your first time and you never did any of it, the coaching is probably what you need. But like I said, if you're already an entrepreneur, the the course is probably enough. But I'm on Instagram, uh, Janelle Wilson, J-H-A-N-E-L Wilson. I post a lot of things about my experiences with my tenants, with my contractors. Right now I'm fixing up a nine-unit apartment building and I post the progress. I post the issues with my contractor, how we resolve them. I post tips about banks you can use, just all types of resources and apps, everything. So yeah. my experiences and, and I teach. Yeah. I mean, your Instagram really is extremely impressive. Uh, I've, you. you and I, like I said, we've been working together for years and it wasn't until your Instagram started blowing up that I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, what's Janelle doing over there? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah. yeah I, mean, I, even I if just made a hundred thousand followers actually. I saw that's incredible. <laughs> So I would say to any listeners, like, even if you're on the fence, just follow Janelle for a little bit and you're going to get the bug. You're going to get a little curious. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, then you've got your avenue to tap into that resource when, when you're ready, Janelle will be there. 
So yep, yep. And I, I answer a lot of questions in, in the comments. My DMs get kind of out of hand, so it's best to ask questions in my comments. But I'm happy to answer comments. Um, I have other people who follow me who, who also answer comments. So it's 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 a good resource if you hop on my Instagram and get engaged. That is awesome. I'm so excited for you. I love knowing this about you and knowing that you're only going up from here. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to come. I haven't done a podcast in a while, but this was nice. Nice chat. Yeah. You you knew you had to get on just for me, right? Mm -hmm. yep, yep. <laughs> Thank special. you so much. Thanks for listening to Midlife Plot Twists. Be sure to hit subscribe and check back monthly for each new episode. Since monthly podcasts don't automatically download, you can also follow me on Instagram at Lucy Baber and Facebook at Lucy Baber Photography to be the first to know when each new episode is released.